Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. We are in Surah Al-Ahqaf, Surah number 46, and Ayah number 15. A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Ar-Rajim, Bismillahi Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. وَوَصَّيْنَا الْإِنسَانَ بِوَالِدَيْهِ إِحْسَانًا حَمَلَتْهُ أُمُّهُ كُرْهًا وَوَطَعَتْهُ كُرْهًا وَحَمْلُهُ وَفِصَالُهُ ثَلَاثُونَ شَهْرًا حَتَّى إِذَا بَلَغَ أَشِدَّهُ وَبَلَغَ أَرْبَعِينَ سَنَةً قَالَ رَبِّ أَوْزِعْنِي أَنْ أَشْكُرَ نِعْمَتَكَ الَّتِي أَنْعَمْتَ عَلَيَّ وَعَلَى وَالِدَيَّ وَنَعْمَ إني تبت إليك وإني من المسلمين. Allah سبحانه وتعالى revealing his ayat as the supreme, al-aziz, as the wise, al-hakim. Part of his supremacy is to give everything order and to create with an order create in a system, with a system, it is based on his eternal knowledge and his eternal wisdom. As he brings creation from non-existence into existence, he also wants human beings to appreciate those who bring them into existence in this world, uh, they are the parents. So parents are highlighted in the Quran so many times, and uh, the Quran uses the parents to teach human beings the idea of appreciating life. So your existence is based here on your biological life. So the ones who give you biological life, they must be appreciated as Allah who gives you existence with life in every phase of existence. So وَصَيْنَ الْإِنسَانَ بِوَالِدَيْهِ إِحْسَانًا that we have advised human beings, insan, referring to the whole species of man, that uh, he should be kind towards his parents. Ihsan, uh, obviously, is a word which is above adal. Adal is justice. Ihsan is more than justice. So you behave at least justly with your parents, and more than that, you behave with them with kindness and favor, uh, etc. So this is Allah's wasiyah. In the word wasiyah, uh, there is an element of death. Because usually wasiyah in, amongst human beings is when human beings die. They leave a will, which is the word wasiyah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the 
as if he's almost implying that since you're going to die, I have to give you wasiyah before you die so that you don't die the wrong way and you lead and live an eternal life after you die. So that's implied in the word wasayna, in the word wasiyah, that inevitably you're all going to die. And these two human beings brought all of you into the world first for through cohabiting, uh, desiring each other, fulfilling their need and desire. And uh, secondly, the mother carrying you uh, for at least six months and then uh, feeding you giving you milk for another two years. So the six months is used as the minimum amount of time that it would take a mother normally to deliver and go into labor. A minimum of six months. Nowadays they do it before that. They have these incubators where you can take out the underdeveloped fetus incubated and so on. So that's not necessarily in this equation, but the equation we have of 30 months is based on two years of feeding milk and the minimum of six months it takes usually to deliver and so on. So for these 30 months, the mother went through turmoil. And hardship after hardship. حَمَلَتْهُ أُمُّهُ كُرْهًا وَوَضَعَتْهُ كُرْهًا So uh, the mother conceived and bore man uh, in a very difficult state. كُرْهًا Almost unwillingly, unwilling bearing of pain. In the word كُرْ There's a distaste to it. And then she delivered with pain also. So there's a lot of pain, a lot of anxiety, a lot of struggle that the mother goes through first to conceive, then to stay in the term of pregnancy, the first trimester, the second and the third, and then eventually the pangs of labor are enormous and they are overwhelming. And only mothers who deliver babies can actually relate to this. We can't uh, relate to this at all. And man's now carrying term and the term of separation from the milk is now 30 months. So this is the first phase of man's existence in this world from the time of conception until he is weaned off the mother's milk, where the mother plays this humongous role in order to conceive, um, carry the child to term, deliver, and then feed the child uh, day and night, basically. So human beings must appreciate this labor, this pain, and this sacrifice that the mother goes through as a wasiya from Allah. Mm-hmm. As a wasiyah from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
that Allah wants you to appreciate this. This is irrespective of whether they're Muslim or non-Muslim. As you know from other ayat, that uh, we don't follow them in matters of sin, but we still appreciate who they are and what they are. Um, this came at a time <clears throat> when Muslims were becoming Muslim, even though their parents were still mushrik, and their brothers and sisters, their aunts and uncles were still mushrik, and they were still polytheists. So in that time, in that uh, context, telling Muslims that they should treat and honor their parents and their relatives with kindness was a tall order, a very big order. It's very difficult. They now disown me, my parents, and I disown them. But how do I now treat them kindly when they don't like me and I don't like them? So Allah says, overcome your emotions and come to terms and come to grips with this reality that they actually suffered, especially the mother, in bringing you into existence. That is their role in your life, that they're the reason for your life here in this world. And human beings must appreciate that ni'amah and then show some respect and kindness towards them. Even though they disagree with you and you disagree with them. So sometimes uh, religious disagreements uh, are very um, difficult to negotiate. Hmm? They even sometimes become very obnoxious and very violent. Um, But the Quran says, now overcome those issues for Allah's sake because I'm giving you the order. So the reason why you're Muslim is because you want to worship me, obey me, not your nafs. So when I'm giving you the order to be kind to them, then you're following me and you're not following your nafs, which is another sacrifice. So you've made the initial sacrifice of accepting Islam against their will. Now make the second sacrifice to honor them because of the reason why you're Muslim. You're Muslim because you want to please Allah. Listen, now do this to please Allah also. It's the same rule. It's not a separate rule, it's, just, it's the same thing. Although it's easier said than done, as I said. It's very difficult for people to negotiate this and to relate to this and so on. So this in general for Muslims and non-Muslims. For Muslims even more so, that the reason that they brought us into existence, we're Muslim, alhamdulillah, and through their being Muslim and their sacrifice, we have now the double bonus of life in this world. Until the man then reaches his limit and his full term maturity and reaches 40 years. Here the Quran says that man grows, not necessarily physically, but uh, intellectually, morally, and spiritually, until the time comes when he or she is 40 years old. That's the term and the gauge that Allah has given for man to become mature by that time. Just as the fetus develops in the womb over time, at least six months, 
and then later on 10 months, all right, minimum six. And hopefully by the end of the ninth month, there will be some delivery. You know, likewise, man, if he doesn't develop by 40, then he's malformed. Meaning 40 is the end of the term, not the beginning. If you develop before 40, alhamdulillah, which most people don't. Maybe about 30s, early 30s, some people do. So you have to read this as if it's the end of the term, meaning by 40 at least you should be mature enough to stand on your own feet, uh, spiritually, intellectually, and so on. Physically, definitely, you mature much earlier than that, especially in your 20s. And so on. So the uh, should the the extent and the limit is uh, around forty years. It's not necessarily exactly on your fortieth birthday you turn on the switch and all of a sudden now you you're there. It's a process. You have to understand what the eye is saying. It's a process, just as the fetus develops through a process. It's not that. They conceive and then they deliver. Yeah. Yeah. So man is probably one of the very few species, I don't know of any other species, that takes time to actually walk. Most of the species, they come out and they start walking. So it's a process. Yeah. So Allah is saying, respect the process. Your parents initiate the process, hopefully by the age of two, you're Crawling, if not standing, maybe even walking. That's another reason why there's two years there. So now you can stand in on your own two feet. <laughs> at least stand on your own two feet physically at two or three. And then stand on your own two feet by the age of 40, meaning mentally stand on your own two feet, where you don't need too much now engagement from others. So it's a process. I mean, by the age of 40, you should be there that you have your own valid understanding of Allah, the Rasul, the Qur'an, Sunnah, Islam, etc. I don't mean academically. I mean that you, you are very confident of Islam by the age of 40. There's no, that's the point of no return. But as I said, it's a process. Some people may develop much earlier than that. Some people may not develop at 40. They may develop after 40. So the general guideline uh, that we must respect. Uh, that human beings should struggle and strive to become this way so that they have a name, a purpose, a goal in life that I want to become this way, independent. That, not independent of Allah and the Rasul and the Quran and Sunnah Islam. Independent in terms of being confident enough to stand on uh, one's own two feet and say, I have now confirmed my Islam and my Shahada and so on. Yeah. That's the idea. Where there's no turning back now. Now this person who reaches that age, yeah, metaphysically and morally, intellectually, he starts now to relate to Allah's ni'mah uh, at a different level. Meaning this du'a you can make before 40. So you can't be that literal. Uh, I can't make this du'a until I'm 40. 
You may not live until 40. You might die. If that happens, you're in trouble. So you can make this dua any time you want to. The point is that uh, you, you must appreciate Allah's ni'mah on you and on your parents both. Rabbi yeah. dispose me. Give me the ability now, my Lord, that I can thank you and your ni'mah, uh, the one you favored upon me, and also on my parents. So now, since you're most probably a grown adult with children yourself, now you see yourself in the mirror of your children, and you will see that your children now must respect you the way you respect your parents. It's a cycle. Hopefully most people do have children by the age of 40. Um, Even if they don't, they should still make this dua. so So the process of maturation is that you're able to appreciate the ni'mah that Allah has given you and Allah has given your parents by meaning that they're the ones that brought you into existence here. They gave you biological life and I appreciate everything they have done for me because now I can relate this to my children and my children should be saying the same thing as I'm saying about my parents. So that tradition of uh, appreciating, respecting parents continues, uh, at least by the age of 40. Yeah? Yeah. So this process of understanding the cycle of life, that this is how human societies should develop uh, themselves, morally and intellectually, that they're always grateful for any ni'mah Allah gives them, and all the ni'am that Allah gave their parents, the biggest of which they're given birth to me, giving me existence. So you start to appreciate this intellectually in a very mature way. And then give me the ability to do good work and deeds that please you. Those works that are good, innately mostly, but they must be such that please you. Not necessarily just please society. So there are actions and deeds that please human beings, and they please Allah also, and there are actions that please human beings, and don't please Allah. So you want to ask for both. That you want to do good deeds that please people and please Allah also at the same time so that you have a society of human beings who appreciate good work and struggle and labor the way I appreciate my mother's labor and hard work for raising me and then my father's hard work for training me, giving me the tools by which I can stand on my two feet. So the mother helps the child stand on his two feet by the age of two, and the father helps the child stand on his two feet by the time he gets married. Shows him responsibility. That's what it is. Yeah. So that's the line that brings you to this conclusion that, Alhamdulillah, I'm now standing on my two feet, 
Now I have the ability to train my own children so that they can stand on their two feet. You have to extend this argument, otherwise it won't make too much sense. Then why am I not praising my parents at the age of 40? It's not about your parents uh, per se. It's about you understanding the ni'mah that Allah gave your parents to raise you. Rabbi. Tarbiya. The word is Rabbi, my Lord, the one who raises me. So we have another ayah in the Quran. Say Allah, show Raham on them the way they raised me as a young minor, a child. So that was Rabbayani. They made Tarbi of me. They became my Rabb when I was small. So that Tarbiya, that Rububiya, now is common here with parents as it is with. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in the sense that Allah is the creator and the parents are the reason for biological uh, birth and biological existence, physical nurturing, etc. So the mother does that physically and then the father does that, hopefully, morally, intellectually, and so on, giving you the education, giving you the tools to stand on your two feet. So that's the way you want to thank Allah. And you should do this at the very latest by the age of 40. You should realize this. At the very latest, not at 40, as I say, you switch on a button and all of a sudden, uh, you, you know, you get a brainwave. No, it's a process. This starts when you're young, uh, from the time you're a toddler, an infant, and then you're adolescent and you're a young man. This all continues. It doesn't happen, as I said, in one moment. So you then want to participate for uh, the betterment of society and you start doing good deeds, but the good deeds are now uh, guided by Allah's pleasure, that it is Allah's pleasure that you are seeking through these good deeds and not just necessarily the community's pleasure or perhaps even the parents' pleasure. So you can be kind and good to your parents as long as you know that that will also please Allah. That's the key. Yeah. That's now, as I just mentioned. That uh, give me salah in my offspring. For my offspring. The word fee may be translated slightly differently here. Because of my offspring. So now in my offspring, I need to be the way my parents are to me. That must transfer over. So I want my children to honor me the way I'm honoring my parents, but that can only happen if there is islah of me, aslih li. Very important for parents, that they must become such that the children respect them. Usually in most cultures, it's a norm. In this culture, it doesn't matter whether you respect them or not, or you don't respect them. Most cultures, until lately, the 20th century, maybe early 20th century, they had this idea you have to respect your parents. But there's another angle here, which the Quran is now 
expressing that is that you must become so good, aslihli, make me good, salih, reform me, so that my children spontaneously, instinctively uh, see me as their well-wisher and someone whom they can naturally respect. So I have to treat them the way that promotes their respect for me and not demand just because I'm the parent and start using blackmail, emotional blackmail. Uh, if you don't follow me, you never go to Jannah. <laughs> so this I is saying something very different. Uh, this I is saying, I have to be so good that they respect me instinctively. Now, you can always caution them, advise them, give them nasiha if you want, but the proof's in the pudding, basically. So you don't really dictate on people that they must respect you, as they say. Respect has to be earned. One is that by virtue of uh, being parents, human beings that you bring to the world should respect you. Okay, that, that, that's a no-brainer. That's fine. The other is that if you're doing something that is contradictory to their appreciating who you are, then that's on you. They will still be at fault for not respecting you, but now you are part of the problem. You're not part of the solution. So make sure you're not the reason why they disrespect you. Aslihli, wonderful statement. As you know, all the Qur'an is mu'jizah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is now saying this to the 40-year-old parent. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> I love my parents because they were good. Usually that happens. Yeah. And if your parents are not kind to you, you don't want to respect them, which is very normal, very natural. So I have to be good to my children in such a way that they will naturally now gravitate towards me and take care of me and be kind to me and so on. So there are two issues now. One issue is the almost natural kind of phenomenon, which should be a phenomenon, that all human beings respect their parents, which on the whole they still do. And the other is that the parents should be so good that the children want to respect them. If you create an environment in the house where they hate you, then you have a problem. You have a problem. The children might have their problems, but you also have a problem. So maybe you should address that and uh, seek counsel and ask people, how, how do I do this? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that is now the way the Qur'an is addressing this family unit, because it's the most important unit in society. Without the family unit, there is no society. So the family is, is there. So now if each family believes this and they do this, then you'll have a very good community. And the community will be good, but if there's something wrong in the family, in the head of the family, then you must now say, okay, maybe I'm doing something wrong. That's why now you see even more severe words, inni tuptilik, I'm repenting to you for not being the one that I should be as far as a parent and as far as a child also, both. Yeah. I'm making toba for not being respectful to my parents the way I should be. 
I'm also making toba that I'm not the parent I should be. In the tupti there's toba, repentance. Now, you must feel this at the age of 40 at least, so that you know whether or not you are good. That's why. I have to do the action that pleases you. Now, the actions that please you, they must be obviously imparted towards the, the uh, children, and they must appreciate the actions that please Allah also. But you have to create the ambience and the atmosphere where this becomes normal. Okay. Now, obviously, children will be children. They have their own minds, their own personalities, and sometimes they're rebellious and whatever. But then you have to handle that. You have to handle that. It's not somebody else who's going to come and do it for you. You are now in charge. You handle it. And you handle it in such a way that they, as I said, react in a positive way and they don't react in a negative way. If you need help in that, and obviously the other members of the community are there for advice and you should seek the advice. There's nothing wrong in seeking advice for counseling. Anywhere, at any time, for anything. Ad-deen on nasiha. This deen is based on nasiha, good counsel. Right? So if you have a problem and you're so arrogant, I don't need anyone's help, then, then you are an arrogant, whatever. Then you have a problem of arrogance, conceit. So not uh, seeking help sometimes is not the best strategy. So if you do have a problem, a serious one, then you must seek counsel and find someone who can help you because uh, you cannot make dua to Allah. Allah help me, but he's not going to come down from the arsh. And here, here's a prescription. He wants you to find the answer somewhere in someone who perhaps is ahead of you or knows someone who can help you. Or something. I'm not talking about counseling. I'm not talking about therapy. I'm not, I'm not going that way. I'm just, just a genuine conversation with somebody about this issue. So it's not counseling at the professional level counseling at the societal level. But if you feel that, no, I don't need anybody, I know everything, then you have a problem. Very serious one. Yeah. So that's why ad-deen al-nasihah, for everybody, every Muslim must participate in the welfare of every other Muslim as much as possible uh, without obviously going overboard without violating other people's privacies and other people's private life, etc. But this now, this ayah speaks volumes as to how parenting should be done. Parenting, number one, is that you respect your parents. Right? Even if they're non-Muslims. That has to be there. Now, I'm not saying that you join them for Christmas parties or whatever. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that respect them, that have some compassion for them, show them your compassion, your concern if they need your help at a mundane level and help them understand Islam also in a nice way. Then you must now understand that uh, appreciate the pain they went through to raise you. Appreciate it. Not just kind of token appreciation, actually appreciate it and maybe say it. And then thirdly is this, that you should become mature, that when you have children, they respect you naturally, not through force and imposition and you being a dictator. 
Uh, and you've been ruthless. Uh, I'm a perfectionist. I want this, this, and that. It doesn't work. Children will respect you out of fear, maybe out of culture, maybe just they don't want to listen to you whining. <laughs> uh, but they'll respect you from the heart. Yeah. That's why this is uh, very intriguing. How Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is framing these nasiha, this wasiya, so that human beings mature, and you can only be mature if you're mature with your children. If you behave immaturely with your children, then you're immature. You haven't reached this stage yet. You have a long way to go. You have some work to do for yourself, on yourself. And so on. Now, mistakes will be made, and that's fine. That's normal. Life is all about mistakes. But then the ability to actually uh, try and solve and resolve the issue, that shows maturity. Maturity here means that you are intellectually on your own two feet, and you can handle the situation. But handling the situation sometimes uh, requires help. There's nothing wrong in seeking help to handle any situation. That is how the world works, and that's how it should work. Human beings are supporting each other, and especially Muslims. One very solidified building. One brick supports the other brick. And so on. So this kind of Western ideology and theory and philosophy that has now come over human society where they've detached human beings from human beings and human beings from parents and parents from children and everybody's their own individual thinker and everybody's on their little shell. I can handle the situation. No, you can't. And the proof's in the pudding. If you can handle the situation, you wouldn't have the situation in the first place. That's the proof. So get some help. Talk to somebody. All it takes is maybe a five-minute conversation with somebody. Maybe that's the only thing you need. You can make dua all night if you want to make dua. But the proof so is in the pudding. Have you handled the situation? Handle the situation. So that, that's where you need social support. And that's what Islam brought to the table with the Sahaba and so on. No, they did speak to each other. But they didn't have five-hour sessions with the council. It was five-minute conversation. Very simple. Well, maybe you should do this, maybe you should do this. We'll make dua. So. They're making dua for you is a huge help. The dua of a Muslim brother for another Muslim brother is accepted, especially in absentia. If somebody makes dua for you behind your back, Allah will immediately accept that dua. So they're seeking even a dua from another person, I have a tight spot here, make dua for me. That is seeking the greatest help. But you must be willing to do that. You can't be that conceited and arrogant. I don't need anyone's help. I'm fine. You're not fine. Yeah. And your children, they're not fine either. So this now, inni tubtu ilayka wa inni minal muslimin. I have now submitted. Inni minal muslimin here is not the the religion of Islam, that I'm, I've submitted to this process in the context of the ayah. I have submitted to the process of now being born and being, being raised and then giving birth to somebody else and raising them. I've submitted to the will of Allah here. Mm. So this submission is macro. At the macro level, I submit to the will of Allah and I, I, I appreciate the nidham, the system. That's what I mentioned in the beginning, before we started the discussion. Allah is now through his hikmah, 
it creates where the system is organized, there's a network and there's a process. And Allah wants us to respect the processes and the systems by which, in which he creates. If you don't, then you might encounter certain problems uh, that uh, you could easily resolve by appreciating the system and so on. So mutual help is always mutual. It helps each other. So we must uh, agree here that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is now giving us wasiyah. And the wasiyah that, that this man who's 40 years old, he's going to die very soon. He's probably lived half his life. He's on the other side of the hill. You, you climb the top of the hill, now you're going downwards. You're going downwards, you're about to die. You're 40 years old, now Allah's giving you wasiyah, you're about to die. Allah's giving you a will, you're about to die. So make sure you're intellectually mature and stable that you can appreciate Allah's ni'mah on you, on your parents, and Allah's ni'mah through your children. And in order to preserve that, aslih li fi The make me good for my children. That's now where the point of introspect. Mm. Islam has a lot of introspect. Look into yourself before you start looking into others. This is the closest thing to you. Your children, your parents are the closest beings to you. So even as close as you are, Allah is still saying, introspect, look into you. Aslih li inni tubtu. I'm now repenting. Uh, my wife should repent. How about you? Should you repent? My children respect me, okay? Do you respect them? Do you honor them? Now, there's a whole process. That's the nizam, that's the system of the house. It's very important, it's very key that we understand the beauty and the dynamics and the ihsan in this ayah that Allah is saying, think of it completely, holistically, comprehensively so that you don't miss a point. And so this is the ideal. And if people get to the ideal, that is nurul la nur. And this is a huge ni'amah. But if you don't get there, then maybe you should think as to why you're 40 years old and you don't know this. Yeah, so that's now how you look at this ayah. Introspect. Look at this ayah from your perspective only. Not from your spouses, not from your children, not from your parents. Your own perspective. What am I doing here that is good? And what am I doing here that's not so good? Once you have this ability to do introspect, then you have sukoon. Then you submit it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's will and his order, his nidam, and uh, all of that. So this ayah is huge. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is now saying that this is a process. And this process stays with you until you die. You can never relinquish your parents. You can never relinquish your children. They stay with you. They'll be there with you in the grave. They'll be there with you on the day of judgment. When you're resurrected, they'll be your you know, kith and kin. They'll always be there. <laughs> so unfortunately, you're stuck with them. For eternity. It is what it is. If you're stuck with them, make the most out of it. Don't be negative, be positive. Make the most out of it. Then enjoy them. Enjoy their company. They should enjoy your company. Instead of being that pessimistic, be positive. And start thinking about how to improve your life. But as I said, they're stuck to you, literally. Physically, and socially and morally, they're never stuck to you.
If it's that way, then you know, start find start to find why, ways to enjoy them, and um, you know, be happy. Don't be miserable. These are the people whom we now accept from them the best of their actions and we overlook and pardon okay, whatever evil and bad deeds that they do. And, so as I said, mistakes are always made. Allah is saying to every individual, parent and child, that we will overlook and pardon your sins if you appreciate the process and the ni'mah that Allah has given you. Uh, so Allah is saying that these people who have this approach to the family unit, they are the ones whom we accept their good deeds. Yeah. So now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he accepts a good deed, then he will reward the good deed at least tenfold. And uh, that will be uh, represented, manifested, fi ashab al-jannah. Amongst the companions of Jannah, they will be. The whole unit, the whole family will be together in Jannah. So that requires some work here, a little bit of labor here, and so on. So Allah will forgive the mistakes that you make in parenting and in being a child, basically. And everybody makes those mistakes, everybody. No one is exempt from those mistakes. They're just very, they're almost natural, yeah. but definitely normal. Yeah, so we, we see this as Allah's fadl, that at least submit to uh, the hukum, which is mentioned here, the rule and the command, and then appreciate the order and the system and nidham, and try your best. That's all you can do, is try your best. This is now Allah's promise, that is almost binding on him, the promise of truth. Uh, that uh, now uh, they are the, 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 the promise that uh, they have been promised. So this is a promise of, from Allah. That's a wasiyah that after you die, I will now give you something uh, through the wasiyah that you will now inherit Jannah as you die and after you die. Hmm? Yeah. So this is the ultimate reward for appreciating how the family unit works, how the dynamics of the family unit works, and so on. وَالَّذِي قَالَ لِوَالِدَيْهِ أُفِّلْ لَكُمَا أَتَعِدَانِنِي أَنْ أُخْرَجَ وَقَدْ خَلَتِ الْقُرُونُ مِنْ قَبْلِي وَهُمَا يَسْتَغِيثَانِ اللَّهِ وَيْلَكَ آمِنْ إِنَّ وَعَدَ اللَّهِ حَقٌّ فَيَقُولُ مَا هَذَا إِلَّا أَسَاطِيرُ الْأَوْلِينَ So those who say, uff, to their parents, if is a word that's one of condemnation that you get tired, frustrated, and angry at your parents, and all of a sudden you say words that sometimes don't even make any sense, like oof. Yeah. I mean, they shouldn't say that. Because now you're frustrated, you're angry, you're tired that you're taking care of them. Mm. Mm. And then they say to Allah that are you now, they say to their parents that are you now going to promise me 
so that he will bring me back and I will be now expelled or, or something. After so many generations, I will be brought out from the grave after so many generations have passed. While these two, Huma, these two, the parents, now they are seeking help from Allah. Hmm. And they in return say, Waylaka. Hmm. Amen. And say, so you should believe in Allah's promise. So this one, who does not believe in Qiyamah, now it is the way of someone who doesn't believe in the Akhirah to behave this way. Okay, so the link is when you don't believe in the Akhirah and you don't believe in Jannah, then uh, you will believe only in the mundane and you only look for your own immediate gain and benefit and you don't look at any reward for taking care of your parents and so on. So this eye is constructed this way to show the Muslim that if you get this frustrated and angry that you can't handle the, you know, the pain that you have to go through to, in order to take care of your parents, then you're just as good as a non-Muslim, or just as bad as a non-Muslim. They don't believe in it. They can say these things, but you can't say these things because your reward for being patient and taking care of your parents is in the Akhirah, not in here, in this world. Yeah. Amen, you should believe that this will be a repercussion. It will come back to haunt you. Inna wa'adullahi haqq, indeed. The promise of Allah is truthful and is the truth and is absolute. فَيَقُولُ مَا هَذَا إِلَّا سَعْطِلُ And then he will stand there and say, this is nothing except the, the tales of the old, yeah. fables, stories of the old Asatir. Uh, so we see here that human beings, if they don't believe this physically and literally, at least they behave in such a way that might lead to somebody saying that you are now not very Muslim about this. Hmm. Yeah. For these people, like others, communities, their statement is now stamped on them. The word of doom is now stamped on the the cold, the statement of destruction and failure now comes upon them amongst those nations that came before them from the jinn and also from the ins. The jinn also included here as mukallafin, those who are obligated to follow the sharia. The jinns are also obligated. Well, ins and also the ins, human beings. Innahum kanu khasirin. Indeed, these people are those who are losers and so on. So not respecting parents and not developing uh, creating an ambiance and an environment for your children to respect you, that's a state of loss. So now you are losers, you have lost. Even though you may have gained money, education, wealth, power, esteem, whatever it is that you have as a nirma in the dunya, but uh, you cannot lose your parents and you can't lose your children. That's a great loss. So this is the way the Quran 
is revealing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reveals his order, his command, through his supremacy, his izzah, his domination, but also through great wisdom and great planning, organizing, and so on. So the command is that be kind to your parents, and the command is that be good so that your children are kind to you. Okay, so one is this way. You show kindness, and the other is this way, that you promote kindness. So this is how we see the Qur'an addressing this issue of the family unit in a very comprehensive way. That way you get to understand the dynamics now of the thought process. This is not, Qur'an is not giving you do's and don'ts, do this, do that, do this. The Qur'an is giving you the thought process that the Muslim needs in order to, first of all, understand the dynamics, and number two, uh, see if you can, you know, find certain methods that are good for his family. Every family is, it will be very different from others. Dynamics are different, subjective almost, because your parents have personalities and you have a personality and your children have personalities. They're not on the same page. They're very different. <laughs> Unfortunately, sometimes we feel as parents they should be the same. They're not the same. And sometimes as parents, uh, we, we seem to assume the parents are on the same page. They're not on the same page. Everybody has a mind of their own. Everybody has their own thought process. Everybody has their own dynamics and their personalities and their likes and dislikes. So managing that is a task. It's a chore. It's not easy. It's not simply that you put food on the table. That's not enough. That's just part of the process. It's not the whole process. The whole process is this, creating the ambiance, the environment, the ability for you to interact with both parents and children. Can you interact with them? Can you have a decent conversation with them uh, without shouting at them or without your parents shouting at you? <laughs> um, this is how. The Muslim culture was always this way. The, 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 the baseline, the other, was that you respect your parents. That's the baseline. You never disrespect your parents. Uh, this is for the parents and the children, both of them. Yeah. But that's more. We need more than the baseline. We need something more to build upon so that we have a civilization now. Civilizational value is now how you raise your children to become self-sufficient, uh, ethically, morally, intellectually. Not just financially. Again, that's only part of the job. Making them self-sufficient financially is maybe 10% of the process. The, the 90% requires much more work than you think. Our focus nowadays is making sure that the Children are self-sufficient financially. We think we've done our job. No. That's not enough. You have to make sure that they're self-sufficient in terms of their akhirah. They must know how to save themselves on the day of judgment. That's the whole process. That requires work. It requires labor, just as the mother labored to conceive and deliver and raise the child. Likewise, uh, parents need to labor more throughout life to make sure that uh, their akhirah is intact also as their dunya is intact. 
both, but just appreciate the system first. This is the system, and this system is proven. It works all the time. Everything else doesn't work. Uh, but then when you have that, then you have other problems with raising children, and that's called peer pressure, making them not succumb to the pressures of society in their values, which is a huge problem. Everything here is peer pressure. They see their friends, they have this, they have that, and they do this, and so why can't I do it? So now you have to reform the whole society, which is another process. <laughs> it's a domino effect. So you can't raise your children in complete isolation because that's insulating them. While you isolate them, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's very detrimental. You need them to navigate life in such a way that they know their akhirah. They know that they're not going to do something that is evil or that is sinful. That's your job to make sure they don't do that. So if you leave them uh, into society after 18 or whenever they get married, uh, they should remember what you have taught them. It's about understanding the akhirah. It's not just about how, how to earn you know, $150,000 a year. That's not enough. It has never been enough. It'll never be enough. But then when you have the social impact where you do live in a society and they see other people, and then they talk to other people, then how do you filter that? And how then do you create the mindset in your child to respect what you say because you have a sense of the akhirah? And how to negotiate what others say where they don't have a sense of the akhirah? So you're juggling now. Right? It's not easy, so Allah make it easy for us, inshallah. But it has to be done. You don't shy away from a challenge because it's difficult. That's not how Muslims are. Take the challenge on, uh, head on. I'm going to do this. I'm going to make sure that I, I cover all my bases and I do, I make dua and I make dua for my children, my parents, and I make sure everything's as much as possible, as much as humanly possible. And that is where Allah says, وَنَتَجَاوَزُ That we will then forgive their mistakes and their sins and whatever it is they do wrong. Allah will forgive them. So that, that, that the issue is, you must understand that it is a process. Yeah. Raising children is not an event. Like education is not an event, it's a process. So we must understand that this raising a family is a process which ends when you die. Not when they die. Or your parents die. It ends when you die. That's where the wasiya is. Wasiya is given a death, right? So when you die, you have to make sure you're at this finishing line. Yeah. So that's the key. It's very subjective. It relates to you more than it relates to the parents and the children. Have you done this? And so on. Anyway, Rabbana Yasser, Allah give us tawfiq and make it easy to follow this order and to, inshallah, practice Islam the way the Prophet did and the way the Sahaba did. Ameen, Ya Rabbil Alameen, wa sallallahu ta'ala ala khilqhi, Muhammadin wa alayhi wa sahabihi 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 wa sahab